Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today, we've got a great story of just giving it to a restaurant owner. But first, a story from the Fire Drake 42 told to come to drill weekend with pink eye if you say so national guard i got pink eye once the day before drill weekend called my sergeant and was told i still had to come to first formation i told him that's a bad idea because it's very contagious and i could spread it to the whole company and that i'd be happy to make up the drill when it clears up he says i don't care you're not a doctor it's probably nothing your butt better be here in the morning i even offered to send a photo of my eye no dice I drive an hour to my unit Saturday morning, and no one with any authority will see me because they're too busy or not there yet. Then about five minutes before first formation, I find the company first sergeant and ask him if I can see a medic about my pink eye. He looks at me, looks closer, and blows the freak up. Why the heck are you here if you have pink eye? You could give that crap to everyone here, why didn't you call in sick? I say I tried for a sergeant. I called yesterday and Sergeant Moron said I'm not a doctor and my butt better be here this morning. So I'm here. Gosh darn it. Then he flags down a different sergeant, tells him to take me upstairs to our little in-house medical office and get checked out. Then he left to go choose Sergeant Moron a new one, but not before turning back and yelling, and don't touch anything. So we go, doctor immediately says, yep, you have pink eye, these are the drops you need to buy, you're dismissed from the strill, head to CVS, get these drops and go home. Get with your leadership and you can make up this weekend when your eye clears up. Note, this was just an armory so we didn't stock any actual medical supplies beyond band-aids and ibuprofen. I say yes sir. So I leave, get the drops, and drive an hour all the way back home. It was just such a freaking waste of time and gas. Found out Monday that by Sunday afternoon, three other specialists had pink eye symptoms and left early, and Sergeant Moron got an official dressing down by the company commander for this screw-up. All of it could have been avoided. His excuse? I thought OP was lying. Ugh. Never missed a drill in six years. But sure, I'm gonna start now. I did make up the drill weekend two weeks later, over a Tuesday and Wednesday and Sergeant Moron wouldn't even look at me, let alone apologize. Just gave me a simple list of chores to work on and left me to it for two days, shaking my head. Some people shouldn't be in a leadership position. It's either really questionable how people who just can't trust anybody else get into management positions, or it's really telling because apparently a lot of people must be just constant liars for them to just immediately assume that if you don't show up, you're probably lying. Do you guys think there were probably way too many people being untruthful about coming down with illnesses and not being able to show up to drill weekends? 
Or do you guys think, simply put, that this guy is just bad at management? Let me know what you guys think down in the comments. Our next story is from all the Eevees. I told the other officers not to buy me a dance. To be fair, they didn't. Prior naval officer, served on a ship station in Japan for a few years. One thing I should note is that I was very sheltered as a kid, believed sex should only happen after marriage, yada yada. I grew out of that after high school, but part of me still held on to those feelings. I also don't drink, smoke, any of that stuff. Feel free to lambast me in good fun in the comments about it. I should specifically note that I don't think less of anyone who does any of those things responsibly. It's a lifestyle choice. And so long as no one's forcing a lifestyle on anyone, it's all good. Anyways, we're scheduled to pull into Guam for a while, and since one of the junior officers is having his birthday, I offered to be the designated driver. It was going to be my first time there, so of course the other junior officers start telling me all about what we could do while on watch on the bridge, where you steer the ship and can see all around. The main thing to come up to them, no surprise for the guys, was the G-Spot one of the strip clubs on the island. Me being me, I say I'm fine with taking them there, but the other junior officers better not buy me a dance or I'll leave their drunk butts there and drive myself back. Before we pull in, I make sure all the junior officers riding with me know my simple rule, and they agree. Cut to the club. I've never been in a club like that before, so I stick close to my peeps, and they sit at the stage. I'm sitting next to a female junior officer when suddenly one of the dancers sits in the empty seat beside me. Strike one. As my spidey senses start tingling, she starts placing folded dollar bills in front of her, forming a presidential house of cards with them. Strike two. Then she pushes the structure of money in front of me. Strike three. I'm getting the heck out of there. Unfortunately, I learned a valuable lesson that night. Never underestimate the grip of someone who works at a joint like that. She grabs my shoulders and holds me down, and I'm now a captive. I glare at the other junior officers, but some of them just look confused and the others are laughing and looking somewhere else. Following their eyes, I came to realize my mistake. I forbade the other officers from buying me a dance but I never said anything about the enlisted that were up on the bridge and heard us detailing our plans. The boatswain's mates, who actually manned the helm and throttles, decided it would be hilarious to show up as a division and pay for the new junior officer's dance, especially considering his reluctance. I realized I had no one to blame but myself for their malicious compliance to my junior officer rule. The dancer came up to me, assets out, and I closed my eyes and said, Go right ahead. After a while of getting my face slapped from both sides and sandwiched, she finally stopped. I thanked her for her service, opened my eyes, turned to the boatswain's mates, and shared a few choice expletives. They were roaring with laughter. After I got it out of my system, there were no hard feelings on either side, but the next time I drove my shipmates to the club, I made sure not to sit at the stage. All I gotta say is thank you for your service is a pretty funny thing for OP to say in that situation. At least somebody got paid. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Repins57. Do what you gotta do. This story takes place in Australia back in 2011. I'm American, but I was in Australia at the time on a working holiday visa. Considered a backpacker, the idea was I would work to supplement my travel expenses. 
Prior to this story, I spent several months working as a server at a restaurant in Sydney. After saving some money, I was able to travel the country for a couple of months before eventually ending up in Cairns, where I planned to replenish my funds. I found the hospitality industry the easiest to work in because I had serving experience and it paid well. You don't get many tips in Australia, but the hourly wage was around $18 an hour plus at the time, depending on which state you were in. In Australia, it's not uncommon for a restaurant to have you come in for a trial before they hire you. It's usually just a couple of hours to see if you can handle waiting tables or that you didn't lie about prior experience. Technically, you're supposed to be paid during a trial, but that doesn't always happen. The first trial I did in Sydney was only an hour and a half, and they provided the work attire. I didn't get paid, but I felt for such a short period of time. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. It was no skin off my back. I did another trial in Sydney at a different restaurant and ended up getting paid for it on my first paycheck after they hired me. When I arrived in Cairns, I was down to my last $200. I needed to find a job immediately. I walked around with copies of my CV, resume, dropping them off at different restaurants. There was a nice little restaurant on the water where I spoke to the owner. We'll call her Susan. I made it explicitly clear that I was only looking for a serving job. Susan and I agreed that I would come in the following day at 6pm for a trial. I needed to wear a solid white button-down shirt and black pants. Having lived out of a backpack for the past couple of months, I didn't have these, so I spent 60 bucks on the required clothing just to attend the trial. Now, the restaurant was pretty small, maybe 12 tables total. When I arrived, it was just Susan and two female servers. She immediately tells me to grab an apron and man the bar. I told her that I thought this was a trial for the server position and that I had zero bartending experience. I couldn't even make a simple cocktail, let alone man the bar by myself. She was having none of it. Reluctantly, I agreed to try in hopes that, after seeing how bad I was, she would give me some tables. Needless to say, it was a disaster. Other than pouring beer and wine, I was useless. One of the female servers kept having to take time away from her tables to make the drinks. It turns out the server that was helping me had had several years of bartending experience, but Susan wouldn't let her bartend because it looks better to have a man behind the bar. Meanwhile, Susan herself never lifted a finger. She spent the whole night at one of the tables drinking wine with two of her friends. Around 9pm, Susan announces she's leaving. I ask her if that concludes the trial. 
She told me no, that I should stick around until close and we'd talk tomorrow. At this point, I knew the whole trial was BS. Her normal bartender had the night off, and she just needed somebody to fill in for the night. Even so, I ended up staying until 11pm helping the two servers with the closing duties. I felt bad leaving them shorthanded. It wasn't their fault after all. During that time, I learned what type of person Susan was. One of the servers told me Susan once took money out of the tip jar to pay a check that a table had skipped out on. I decided then that Susan wasn't getting any free labor out of me. I wasn't going to spend 5 hours of my time and $60 out of pocket on clothing to help her. The next day, Susan called and, surprise, I didn't get the job. I told her that's fine, just let me know how I go about getting paid for the trial. She says, oh, we don't pay for trials. I nicely told her that she was legally obligated to pay me for my time, and if she didn't, I would be forced to file a claim with the Fair Work Ombudsman. Her response was, do what you gotta do. So I did. I called the Fair Work Ombudsman who confirmed that, yes, I was entitled to 5 hours compensation at the minimum wage of $18 an hour. I first had to write a letter to Susan asking for the money. If she still didn't comply after 30 days, I could file a claim. I wrote a very courteous letter requesting $90 and sent it to Susan via certified mail. Of course, I never heard back, so after 30 days I filed the claim. I ended up finding a great serving job at a hotel restaurant and soon forgot about the whole ordeal. Fast forward 6 months and I'm back in the US. I randomly get a call from an Australian number who happens to be the HR slash accountant for Susan's restaurant. She asks me for some information in order to get me set up in their system as an employee so I can get paid. Within a couple of days, I had $134 transferred to my bank account. Not only did I get the $90, but I was paid some back-end things like the employer's superannuation contribution, similar to a 401k, and paid leave accrual. I don't know exactly what happened on her end with the Fair Work Ombudsman, but I imagine Susan was facing some hefty fines if she didn't pay me. In the end, it wasn't a lot of money, but rather the principle of the matter. I wasn't going to let Susan get away with free labor in my case as I'm sure she did with other trials. Hopefully she thought twice the next time her bartender took a night off. If it took you an hour plus of your time, and then you had to wait another 30 days before you could even follow up, would you do it just to make sure you could get these $90 and force this person to pay up? Would it be worth it keeping track of that for all that time? Let me know in the comments. And our final story of the days from Enger Creator, cue the malicious compliance. I was reminded of this earlier today when waiting to pay for some shopping. I'll mention this happened in the UK, as we do like to queue and have a strong sense of fair play. I was in a budget supermarket well known for its insane checkout speeds. Those who shop there regularly know that when there's more than two people waiting at each till, another till will be opened. I had just arrived at the checkout area and noted the queue lengths, so I joined the back of the nearest queue with my basket. As expected, the Tanoi announced a new till was opening, and I began to make my way there. I reached it as the same time as a chap from the opposite end of the store, whose spotted eye had far fewer items than he did, and graciously beckoned me ahead. As I thanked him, a rather entitled woman precariously carrying lots of items came storming up behind us both, pushed past him, and physically elbowed me out of the way, slamming her items on the belt in front of me, barking that she was in a hurry. 
She glared at the cashier who had just arrived and still had to log on to the till, telling him to be quick. The cashier, the chap behind me, and I exchanged glances but decided not to make a fuss. Clearly the cashier wasn't moving fast enough for her, so she started fishing around in her purse to get her payment ready. Unfortunately, it was a case of too much haste, and she ended up with coins falling through her fingers and rolling around on the floor. This, she felt, was the cashier's fault for not pushing the Adams along fast enough, and wasted few words in telling him so, but what she didn't notice while doing so is that one of the pound coins rolled quite close to me. I saw it and the chap behind saw it, but neither of us felt the urge to mention it. In fact, I now had a decision to make. I didn't want to help her by telling her, but keeping the coin would be stealing. Then it occurred to me what to do. I moved my foot in front so the coin was now completely hidden from her sight. I waited a couple of minutes like this and watched her pay and put her purse away. The chap behind me caught my eye and frowned, but I smiled innocently. The woman began to pick up all her items, juggling them in her arms and made to leave. At the perfect moment, I called her attention and pointed out the coin, pushing it towards her with my foot. Watching her bending down at my feet, dropping the same items repeatedly whilst trying to pick up the coin, made up for all her rudeness. Her hair even fell out of her bun all over her face. The cashier was so cheered up he wished her a great day, and the man behind me laughed all the way through. The best part was that although he knew exactly what I'd done, we just smiled at each other and left it at that. This is great because not only did OP totally redeem themselves with somebody who thought they were just trying to be like some cheap jerk getting a free pound coin out of it, but I mean how can you not be happy with that result? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another compliance story that was way crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.